it is good to know the peace of the Lord and to be able to share it with each other. He had no name. He could not allow his face to meet your face or his eyes to meet your eyes. As a young boy, he was tied to a tree by those who loved him or those who owned him. To put it nicely, he was mistreated. To put it honestly, he was horribly abused. Neighbors disgusted with the situation finally freed him from his chains and took him to the children's home in Acapulco. He was called Fernando, but he was a recluse, as you could understand. He did not play well with the other kids. He was mean and angry and vindictive and really a little bit scary. The scars, physically and mentally, still show some even today. Fernando, like each of us, has a story, and his story really comes alive in Psalm 67. It's a powerful story of redemption that continues to be written. It's a story that gives hope and shows the power of the gospel, the power of relationship, a story of the face of God shining on a little boy who was in the darkest of places in an evil and broken world. We've come together this morning to hear the heartbeat of God, and we do that as we hear his word. And before I read Psalm 67, let us pray together. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come this morning and ask that your presence would be here. Grab hold of our hearts this morning with your word by your spirit. May we see Jesus and your heart for a broken world. Amen. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word as it's found in Psalm 67. And it shows God's heart for the nations and yet God's heart for the individual. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. How well do you know your own heart? How well do you know God's heart? Some of you know my story well enough to know that eight years ago, I had heart bypass surgery And before that, I'd had some problems, and I'd been in for testing, the treadmill test and the nuclear test, and three heart casts in four days, and things were looking okay. And then I got to where I wasn't feeling so well, and it may have been here as much as here. I'm not sure. But I went into the hospital, and they were giving me another treadmill test. And I was on this treadmill next to another lady, and... I'd been walking for about five minutes, and I was noticing my monitor, and I'd had so many by this time, I thought that I was sort of figuring this thing out, and it was beep, beep, beep. 
things going well. They put her next to me, and after about one minute, hers was monitor was just this mass of lines and waves. And I'm going, oh, they need to get her. She's going to die right here. You know, where's the doctor? And the doctor did stop her after about a minute, minute and a half. And he said, ma'am, you're fine. You need to go home. Don't eat any red meat and come see me in three months. Well, I keep walking another five minutes. Beep, beep, beep. Things are going good, I think. The doctor stops me and he says, Joe, you need another heart cath and I think you might need surgery. I'm going, but the beep, you know? (laughs) And I began to understand that not only do I not own my own heart very well sometimes, um, I don't know God's heart. And we can't know our own hearts or God's heart apart from his word. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The heart of a man is like deep water. The concept of our hearts is much more central in our daily communication than we realize. We say that we are faint-hearted and fickle-hearted. We speak of our heartaches and our broken hearts. We love to be light-hearted and often find ourselves heavy-hearted. We want to love and work with all of our hearts and yet we find ourselves half-hearted. We say some, someone is big-hearted, or perhaps that someone else does not even have a heart. Men, what about us? Are we in touch with our hearts? Ladies, you're usually much better at this than we are as guys. One author says that the church has not invited its men to live from their deep hearts. There's a lot of truth to that. But God, in this psalm today, expresses His deep heart. And might we also see that and grasp that ourselves. Now, some of you are saying, Joe, be careful. There are a lot of guys out there. I know there are a lot of guys out there. That's why I'm including you. Um, But Joe, this is supposed to be a missions sermon, and I know, and it is, I'm getting there. But do you know that the heart is central, even as we talk about missions? Men, I want your hearts to be grabbed by what God is saying here, just as God would desire the ladies' hearts and the children's hearts also to. Man, the church in the U.S. might not have done a good job at inviting you to live from your deep hearts. But Scripture does. It invites all of us to live from our deep hearts. Hang with me here for a few minutes as I am trying to set a context for us to be able to see something about our own hearts and our needs. And then to be able to grasp the heart of God also. Our hearts need to know a few things from this psalm. Some of you are saying, probably guys, nope, we don't know with our hearts. We know with our heads, we know with our minds, but not with our hearts. Well, you know what? We know more stuff, guys, with our brains than we know what to do with. And all the women said, amen. Um, There are some truths, the most valuable truths in life, that we need to grasp fully with our hearts also. Or really, it might better be said that we need to allow these precious truths 
from God's word to grasp our hearts and to squeeze our hearts like the biggest bear hug we've ever had. Our hearts need to know God and be gripped by it. Some here this morning are really burdened with life. And if you're not this week, you might be next week. Many of us are preoccupied with what the day holds or perhaps tomorrow. We're overwhelmed with health or with paying the bills or our kids or you fill in the blank for yourself. This morning, I want to invite you for a few minutes to sit back and to listen to what God has to say to you. Where this psalm starts in knowing God is crucial. Sit back and hear with your hearts what God has to say to you. It comes out of the priestly blessing of Numbers 6. And the psalm writer says in verse 1, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. That your ways, O God, may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. When Jeff started his series in January on the kingdom of God, where did he start? He started with knowing God as Father. He used the Lord's Prayer. He started with relationship. The importance of relationship, our Father. It's the face of the Father that's shining upon His child. One of the greatest needs um, all of us have is to know and to be loved by our fathers. Some of you know my story, and you know that I never knew my biological father. He left the family before I was one. I never was contacted by him. I never knew where he lived or even if he was alive until I got a call from a relative I did not know saying that he had died. And she was wondering if I was going to the funeral. I did not go. But there was a hole, friends, in my heart that got a little bit bigger that day. My brother and I were never allowed to talk about it a whole lot or to question it. We had to process it by ourselves. And in our family, um, the way we dealt with issues was to sweep them under the carpet, and so that's what we did. And a child is not very good at processing things of such depth. An absent father wound, whether absent physically or emotionally, is a very deep wound. It's a wound that can only be healed by the presence of the Father. Jesus would say, Abba, Father, Daddy, a Father who has His face shining upon us. I learned part of the truth I needed to know from my daughter. Seventeen years ago, sitting right up here um, in a service just like this, she said, Daddy, would you make me a name tag? And I made her a name tag and I put Sarah Jane on it. And then she said, now put Joe's daughter. So I put Joe's daughter. And I keep it in this Bible. Um, I cannot read the Bible, this Bible anymore because the print is too small. Um, (laughs) But I have the name tag there to remind me that God is my father, just as I am Sarah Jane's father. Imagine your name tag. What does it say? Does it say Chris, 
Son of the ever-present Father. Does it say Mary? Daughter of the warrior king who fights for your heart. Or Steve, Robert, Mike. Sons of the just and righteous God. Sandy, daughter of the lover of your soul. Fill in your name and put son of God, daughter of God. Friends, it's not just a name tag. It's a reality. Don't just hear it with your heads, but hear it also with your hearts. Be gripped by the lavish, radical love of a father who is crazy about you. Know it. He sent his only begotten son to demonstrate his love by dying on a cross, an atonement for our sins. Your head has heard it and filed it away in some stack, but does your heart know it? My daughter, Sarah Jane, now goes to school in Chattanooga, and she goes to a church. The pastor is a friend named Joe Novenson, and this is what he said. A true encounter with Christ and His gospel is like being hugged by a hurricane or kissed by an earthquake. It blows you away and transforms you to go beyond what is normal or commonly understood. Christianity is not a manageable religion. It is not a little religious experience that fits well in a Palm Pilot or Daytimer. It is an invasion of the living God into your reality that utterly transforms it. Do you know in the depths of your heart that you have a God who will never leave you or forsake you? My biological father left, and I don't know why. I do know that scars were left, that brokenness was everywhere in my family as a result. And I know that we tried to glue things back together by ignoring them. It was not until I relaxed enough to allow my heart as a man to be hugged and cherished by the most radical of lovers, God the Father himself through the Lord Jesus Christ, that that brokenness started to be put back together. Some can relate and some can relate in other ways. When our hearts know God and we are gripped by Him, when God is known as Father in the depths of our being, our hearts will go to rejoicing. Psalm 67 points this out. Our hearts need to praise God and be gripped by it. Verse 3, May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. When God is known as He really is in all of His power and glory, when He is known to us as the infinite, eternal, unchangeable God in His being and wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, when He is known in His lavish love for us, we really will be a people who can praise Him. And our praise will be based upon and rooted in the truth and not in some fantasy of what we want God to be like. We've not been loved with a ho-hum, whatever, yeah right, mediocre way. We've been loved in the most radical, profound, powerful way in Christ. 
by the very God of the universe. How do we begin to even describe such a love? A love of the Holy Father for His children. While we were yet sinners in rebellion against God, and yet He considers us precious in His sight, He calls us by name, He gives us His Son, Jesus, to cover all of our sins. He rescues and redeems us. He takes us from the realm of darkness to the kingdom of light. He cares for us daily and gives us all that we need and so much more in abundance. What love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. When our hearts begin to let that love sink in, how can we not live lives of profound praise personally and corporately together? Our hearts knowing God and praising God are blessings that come from His very hand. Psalm 67 tells us what we're now to do with our blessings, and that is to be used to bless others, that they might know and praise Him. Our hearts knowing and praising God should lead to the ends of the earth knowing and praising God. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. And the great promise of this psalm is found in in verses 6 and 7. And this is a promise from God that will happen. It's not a promise like I heard on TV last week concerning the tornado victims. And some of our people went up yesterday and tried to help out some. And we're trying to find ways that we can be involved in significant ways in that devastation. But there was a TV reporter out in the field the day of the tornado. And she said this, a certain politician, and I won't say his name because I didn't hear him say this, but she reported that a certain politician promised that aid was most likely certain to be coming. What a promise. Aid's most likely certain, y'all. God's promise is this. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear Him. We have received the ultimate blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others, to the ends of the earth. God blesses us as His people so that the nations will be blessed. This has always been the way God has worked. God told Abraham in Genesis 12, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then God tells Isaiah in Isaiah 49, I will also make you a light to the nations that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And that's the same as the message in Psalm 67. God blesses His people in order for them to bless the nations. And it keeps going. It did not start with us. Someone was blessed. And that blessing was brought to us. And now missions is simply our being the blessed ones, knowing and praising God. And our responsibility being to be a blessing to others here locally and also far away. This month we're celebrating missions in a special way. 
Um, I want to share with you some of the ways that we, as a blessed people, knowing and praising God, the church at Orangewood, are being and can be used to bless others around the world. By God's grace, we're supporting and partnering with about 45 family units in promoting God's work here and around the world. We're working with missionaries and key national leaders to advance His kingdom. We have people literally scattered throughout the world in Latin America and Europe and Africa, Asia, the Middle East. They're involved in such things as church planning, many in starting new churches, mercy ministry to the poor, theological education, Muslim ministry, orphanage and children ministry, medical ministry, ministry to the poor, community development, disaster relief, Bible translation, education, university ministry, leadership development and discipleship, street kids ministry, indigenous ministry, and the list could go on. In our budgeted benevolences this past year, um, was set aside $325,000 to go um, toward um, ministry here and abroad. And by God's grace and blessing, three times that went from you to special projects here and overseas. Over the past years, a number of our own have gone out to minister, um, both here locally and, and many overseas. Um, some locally were just sharing in our equipping center, and um, you're sitting out there. They're amongst you right now, so many of them. Um, the Conroys left us years ago to go to Indonesia and the Philippines. Natalie Stoner went to Hungary and has returned. The Bertrams went to Italy and have returned. Um, Jen Morley Simmons and Jay are church planning in St. Louis. Um, Colin is in North Africa. Dr. K was just in Indonesia for a month teaching New Testament. Gloria Bonzoff is in Argentina even now, provided for by members of this congregation to go and minister there. My own son Joseph um, took a year off of Auburn years ago, about four or five years ago, to go and work with the poor in Mexico City. And strangely, while he was downtown, one day he met a girl... And that girl has now become his wife. He went to take a blessing, and yet he received a blessing. Rachel Bradley this summer hopes to go to Acapulco for the whole summer. Lisa Ross Stewart was just here with us this, this week, and she's in Japan with her husband and children. Many of you are involved in ministries here locally and many overseas and around the world. Some of those um, we don't even know about because you're quietly serving in such powerful ways. And then you look at our short-term mission trips, and we'll be sharing some about those in the coming weeks. By God's grace, for um, the past 10 years, over 100 people each year, 100 of you have gone out to work on mission projects in Mexico and Honduras and Japan and the Middle East and the Far East, and others have gone in other groups that you've heard about. And God is blessed in that way. As you have been blessed, you have been a blessing to others. This month in our equipping center classes, we're featuring some of our missionaries locally and those overseas who are working. In two weeks, we will have a full Sunday dedicated to missions with missionaries here and a speaker representing the International Justice Mission, which I'll share more about in a few minutes. The peculiar people would be with us for Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Um, the peculiar people, if you don't know who they are, they sound peculiar and they are, but they're a fabulous and uniquely gifted team who will capture our hearts 
um, young and old in a powerful way. That day, the 25th, we're going to feed you. We're going to take up an offering for the International Justice Mission and also for our missionaries who are here on that day. Um, there are going to be home meetings that you see in your bulletin where you can hear missionaries. We're even going to try something new, a Mexican cooking class where um, you'll learn a little bit about cooking but a little bit about the children's home in Acapulco also. Now, I know that some of you struggle with this issue of missions and you sense that you don't have a heart for it and you don't understand how others are so excited about it or you don't understand maybe how you might be involved. Let me explain missions this way to you. There are men and women, boys and girls, real precious people all over this world who are created as image bearers of our true and living God. And they do not know in their hearts that the Father loves them and that His face shines upon them. They do not know in their hearts how to praise this God. And we, as God's people, who have been gripped by His love and grace... We know Him, we praise Him, and whenever that happens, it must be shared with others who have not yet come into that relationship with the Father through Jesus. Your role may be to go, but that's not for everybody. Your role may be to give or to pray or to write a letter or to help organize. Your role may be across the street or downtown, or it may be in a far country. But may each of us have hearts that are so gripped by knowing God and praising God that we're also gripped by God's desire to use those whom He has blessed to be a blessing to others, that all the ends of the earth will know Him and praise Him. I'm going to ask that you watch for just a minute a little bit about how God is using you, Orangewood, overseas. As you have been blessed, you've been a blessing to many other people. First, we'll talk about the Middle East and a country we have there. We've taken a number of seminary professors there, like Reggie Kidd, this past October. One of the things that we've been the most excited about is our ladies going and how our ladies have ministered to their ladies in very profound ways. Kathy Reisinger and Vicki Taylor were the lead teachers the last two years. These ladies in this country are off the radar screen. They're not greatly valued um, in that culture. And our ladies who have been blessed have gone to be a blessing to them. There's a growing relationship with the Far East as I was able to um, do a trip this past year and do some training in the university there. Um, Jimmy and Alan Jones went and they were able to work in an orphanage and then in the university with me. Um, Many of you know a little bit about our ministry in Acapulco. We have a parent-child trip that goes. We have youth trips that go. And You'll hear more about these trips and other opportunities in the next couple weeks. But we've been able to go to Acapulco and work very, very hard 
We've been able to build relationships. We've been able to share the love of Christ. You see there the shoes um, that you sent down. You collected in December 300 and something pairs of shoes that some of them took down. And for the first time, some of these children were able to choose the pair of shoes instead of our saying, here's size five, take it. They were able to actually choose. As you've been blessed, you've been a blessing to the children there. And Rachel there hopes to go back for the entire summer. Um, Mexico City, you've heard um, about Mexico City if you've been around very long in the ministry that we've had there with Saul and Pilar Cruz. We've been working for about 19 years with them, with doctors, um, with men who have no skills, men like lawyers um, who just go and they, they mix concrete and stuff like that. Um, Anybody with a, a strong back can go and serve. We, we give them glasses. We do medical exams. We just love them. We form relationships. And that's been a great ministry that we've had. Um, Saul's been working with the poor now for about 20 years. And let's listen to his own words as he shares this. Now I can see schools. I can see people building better houses. I can see many people trading having business, taking their children to school. But the best thing I can see is that there is faith. Through the reading of the gospel, through getting to know Jesus, there, there were many changes happening in this community. We don't have a big church, one big church, but there are hundreds now of little churches, places where the Word of God is being read, places where hope is being understood as something that comes from very deep, something that the Holy Spirit uses to bring us about transformation. Armenia continues to bring hope in the Jalapa Ravine. Armenia has brought us Jesus. A number of years ago, one of our own who speaks Spanish wanted to go to the children's home in Acapulco. So she joined our group as it went. And as we get there and um, start loving on the children, many times your heart's drawn toward these precious little kids. Well, her heart was drawn toward Fernando, the young boy who had been tied to the tree. There were so many other cuter ones, but Janet Yost had a heart that was drawn to Fernando. And she slowly started approaching him. She spoke his language. He would not look at her. She was patient. She came back another year and would sort of try to sit by him and touch him on the back with her hand, start making eye contact a little bit. When we would go down as groups and Janet was not with us, Fernando would always come to me and he would say, "Um, where's Janet and when is she coming back? Fernando began to change and warm up. He started shaking our hands and giving us hugs, and he started even having eye contact with us, if only for a a second or two. Fernando's life was changed. The face of God shined upon him through the face of Janet, and he's never been the same. He was not able to learn like the other kids, and yet now he's been able to get a job near the home, and he continues as a young man to grow and mature. The rest of the story for Fernando, I want to tell you. Fernando did not have a last name either, and all the children who come to the home have to be registered with the government. 
And so it came time to registering with the government and they were drawing up the papers and realized once again he doesn't have a last name. The only time Fernando had seemed to be joyful, according to the kids who were there with him, was when he was in chapel and when they were singing the praise songs. And so the children gave Fernando his last name. In his official papers registered with the Mexican government, he is Fernando Alleluia. He's a changed heart and soul. He comes and hugs us now, and he allows us to hug him. A lady who works there at the home came to me a year or so ago, and she said, Joe, I need to confess something, and she was in tears. And she said, when I first started working here, I thought Fernando was an animal. I did not think he was human. She said, Fernando has changed, and God used Janet to change him. That's Psalm 67. As we are blessed and know God and praise God, we're to bless others so that they might know God and praise God. I want to close this morning with a movie clip of a special ministry that God has raised up to deal with the darkest elements of our society. The International Justice Mission, which goes around the world, wherever they find injustices, seeking to make things right. They're going to have a representative or two, actually. One of them is actually from our church, Ted Haddock. Um, They'll be here in two weeks. One of them will be bringing... Um, their ministry to us, but also opening God's Word to us on the 25th. This is the International Justice Ministry. NBC News In-Depth tonight, a rare glimpse into a world both horrible and heartbreaking. Here is some of what NBC's Chris Hansen has uncovered in a Dateline NBC investigation. Poverty is no excuse for forcing children into prostitution, says Gary Haugen, who runs a U.S.-based human rights group, International Justice Mission. 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 We are entering the sordid world of human trafficking. This film was taken undercover in Cambodia by members of a human rights group, International Justice Justice Mission. The girls inside this brothel were sold to the owner for as little as $100 each. Gary Haugen is an American lawyer who has now devoted his career to rescuing children from illegal bondage. Sometimes you just need to go to the places of need, where people need an advocate, people need someone to bring to bear the law on their behalf. Bob Mosier, Director of Investigations with International Justice Mission. We'll utilize operatives, uh, we'll conduct surveillance. He and his team plug the gap between human rights groups who identify abuses but are powerless to do much more. Some on the outside of the brothel. And actually doing something about it. The Fareed family, two of their daughters, are bonded to the village moneylender. Uh, these girls have to work 10 hours a day, and they have to produce 1,000 BDs each in order to make their quota. 1,000 BDs each a day, every single day, six days a week. And they've been working like this for two years. And so this is bonded child labor. International Justice Mission has freed more than 200 children in the last year and a half. For each child, 
This paper is a court-ordered emancipation proclamation. What do the papers mean? Freedom. The director of the anti-trafficking operations for international justice mission is uh, Sharon Cohn. She's with us. Let me tell you what that means. That means she's working to end sex slavery. She is a noble soul who cares deeply about the plight of every woman. The court in Nairobi, Kenya, is considering a criminal case against four police officers who were accused of the wrongful arrest and torture of David Makara and Gore. The people I could have complained to are the police, and it is the police who had shot me. That's when IJM came into the case. They intervened. What I think David's story introduces is the idea that, well, we may not be able to do everything. You can actually take on these forces of evil, and you can actually prevail. If it's only one child that's saved, it's certainly worth it. If I wanted to be honest, um, like I learned as a child, um, I would live like evil did not exist. And I would hope that my ignoring it would somehow glue together the broken pieces. Beloved, we live in a world that's not just sort of bad. We live in a world that is evil beyond our sensibilities. So evil that it sickens us to the core of our hearts. And into this evil world came the light of the world, the Lord Jesus. And he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to love, to die that we might live. He came to make us ambassadors of the King of Kings, proclaiming his message and demonstrating in all that we do that he is love. We are so to reflect him that the world will see our good deeds, our deeds of the kingdom, our deeds confronting unrighteousness, our deeds bringing shalom to brokenness. And when the world sees that, it will glorify, it will know and praise our Father who is in heaven. May we be men and women, boys and girls, young people who utterly reject being passive in a world of such dire need. May we be people who accept responsibility as we depend upon his strength. May we be people who lead courageously for the glory of Christ, even if no one else will admit the evil that dwells among us. May our hearts beat after the master's heart, loving righteousness and being willing instruments as God brings his light to an evil world and transforms it into the kingdom of God. May we know in the depths of our hearts the God who rules and reigns. May we praise him with all of our hearts. May we, as we are blessed, be a blessing to others freely and joyfully taking the shalom of the Lord Jesus Christ to every dark corner of our society and to the very ends of the earth. Amen. Please stand and let's sing together.